Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. The U.S. Supreme Court on Thursday ruled that the Biden administration could end the Remain in Mexico program, also known as Migrant Protection Protocols, or MPP. The Trump-era program, established in 2019, required many asylum seekers to wait for their immigration hearings in Mexico. Union Tribune immigration reporter Kate Morrissey joins me now. So, Kate, what will happen to the MPP program now? Um, Well, the short answer is we don't know yet. Um, The Biden administration tried to end the program uh, first in, I believe, February of 2021. It was one of uh, President Biden's sort of major campaign promises that he was going to end the Remain in Mexico program. Um, and so they want, they started winding it down in February and bringing people who were in the program into the United States to finish their court hearings from here. Um, and then eventually, um, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security put out a memo sort of officially ending the program. Um, and then there was this lawsuit to try to force, um, the administration to continue with the program. And uh, a federal judge actually ruled that they had to continue. Um, They issued a second memo in October of last year, trying to end it again, sort of mitigating for some of the the things that were called out in this court case. But the judge said, nope, you've still got to keep it going. Um, And so towards the end of last year, it was was re-implemented. And so now that we have this ruling from the Supreme Court that the administration can end the program, um, but that the court also sent the case back to the district court for rulings on on other legal issues. So we don't know exactly what's going to kind of come out of that. And so far, the administration hasn't said, okay, guys, the program is done. It has said, okay, we're going to keep trying to end the program. That was the statement we got late yesterday. Um, But as I saw, you know, in in immigration court yesterday in Tijuana yesterday for the folks on the ground like so far it's it's business as usual for the most part there's the the lives of those involved in the program um, have not changed yet what was the supreme court's reasoning um, for their their judgment it, it all centers on this word in um, the Immigration and Nationality Act, which is the, the main piece of US law that governs immigration stuff, um, that says uh, that the government may return people to a contiguous territory such as Mexico, a territory that is um, connected to us. And so um, generally and historically the word may has has meant that you can, but you don't have to. It's not mandatory. It's a discretionary power. And so the Supreme Court said, we're reading this May the same way we've read many other ones. And this is this is a discretionary choice for the, the government. And so that means that that the Biden administration could choose to end it or could choose to to continue it, that it's that it's up to the administration. And so um, I think that also, you know, puts this in terms of what's next into a weird place because a lot of times with Supreme Court rulings, it's it's more about like, um, you know, is this program legal or not? And then if it is, then it keeps going. And if it's not, then it immediately stops. But in this case, the Supreme Court is saying 
you know, the Biden administration has the discretionary authority to do what it wants to do with this. And so uh, it remains to be seen what that will ultimately be. I think this is definitely seen as a victory for immigration activists and definitely people seeking asylum. Uh, you know, what are the reasons that being able to wait in the United States for your, your hearing uh, is better? There are many reasons, um, and there are reasons why this program has been so controversial from the beginning. Um, the first of which I would say is safety. Um, asylum seekers and other migrants are um, extremely vulnerable when they're waiting in northern Mexico. They um, tend to stand out either from their appearance or their accents or the fact that they're living in a migrant shelter or some, some combination of these things. And um, they're frequently targeted not only by, um, you know, what we think of traditionally as criminal organizations, gangs, cartels, etc., but also um, corrupt police. I've heard so many stories from asylum seekers who have been um, robbed, assaulted, etc., by uh, Tijuana police, and it's it's because they are identified as migrants that that these things happen to them at the the frequency that they do. Um, there's an organization called Human Rights First that um, in the first time that that Remain in Mexico existed under Trump, they documented more than. 1500 instances of um, reports of, of people in the program being violently attacked in one way or another. Um, anything from rape, kidnapping, robbery, murder um, sort of runs the, the spectrum. And uh, we know that people forced to wait um, in more recent years under another program um, that there are thousands and thousands and thousands. I think at this point, that database is more than 10,000 migrants who have, have been violently attacked since Biden took office because they've been stuck in Mexico. So it's not, um, it's not safe for a lot of these folks. And um, that's, that's one of the big concerns. And, and in terms of just like uh, the legality of it, that's a big concern because there's this idea in, in asylum law, both internationally and, and in the United States, of something called non-refoulement. And it means that a country that is receiving someone who is who says that they're fleeing for their lives cannot return them to a place where they're likely to be harmed. That is an illegal thing for a country to do. Um, it's illegal for the United States to do. And so there's a lot of argument that by forcing people who are identifying themselves as people fleeing for their lives, as people seeking to be identified as refugees, that by returning them to a place where they're in danger, we are in a sense refouling them. Um, and so on top of sort of that just basic like concern for safety, um, there's a bunch of other concerns about um, due process, the ability to find an attorney, the, the percentage of people in this program who are represented by attorneys is super low. It's way lower than it is for um, people who are having their cases heard um, who are living inside the United States. And so uh, attorneys are, are an essential part of an asylum case. Asylum law is extremely complicated. 
um, and to understand what evidence you need and how it needs to be presented to the judge so that the judge can absorb it and understand your story and which parts of your story are the important things to, to tell the judge and highlight for the judge. Um, attorneys make a huge difference and, and without them, asylum seekers tend to lose their cases. And so, you know, not only are you forcing people to wait in a place where they're not safe, but you're also forcing them to wait in a circumstance where their case is more likely to be denied even than it would be if they were here. So how many asylum cases are there currently and, and how long do they typically take to be resolved? So it's a little bit complicated, but what I can say is that there are more than 1.8 million immigration court cases pending. Not all of those are related to asylum. People go to immigration court for lots of different reasons, but many of those um, will involve uh, requesting asylum. Um, what we also know is that these cases can take um, quite a bit of time, especially because the courts are so backlogged and it depends where you are. So at some courts, it might only take um, a couple of years. In other courts, it could take closer to a decade, right? Like the, the span of time really varies and asylum cases in particular can be quite long uh, because of the amount of, of evidence and testimony that has to be presented in order to win. So um, typically cases will have um, these sort of periodic check-ins with the judge to, to see if they have all of the elements ready to actually go to the, the trial portion of the case. And even those that check-in process can be extremely delayed by, by when is available on the judge's calendar for the case to come back. So you'll see um, someone come and, and say, you know, I need a little more time to find an attorney or, um, you know, I uh, let's set the date for when I'm going to going to give you my asylum application to come back and, and, you know, do the next step in the case. And the judge will look at their calendar and their next opening will be a year from now, two years from now, sometimes depending on the court. Um, and so then they come back again and then they have to do the next administrative step and then they wait again. And then eventually the case goes to trial. Um, usually those here, those hearings are for set for four hour blocks of time. So if your evidence and testimony takes more than four hours, the judge is gonna to have to find another four hour chunk of time on their schedule for you to come back again. Um, and in this time, judges retire and move. And so the judge who hears the first part of your case might not be the judge who hears the next part. It's, it, it's quite complicated <laughs> to, to finish a case and, and with how much time um, it can take. So the Supreme Court ruled that the Biden administration could lift remain in Mexico, but another court has said that Title 42 must remain in place. What is the difference between those two programs and why must Title 2 or 42 and why must Title 42 remain? That's a great question. So remain in Mexico came first. It started in 2019 and it required people to wait in Mexico while they were in immigration court proceedings in the United States. So they're returned to Mexico with a piece of paper with a court date that says, come back to the border on this date, we'll bust you to your court hearing. And then if your court is continued, you'll come back and wait in Mexico again for your next hearing. And so people were, were coming back and forth to the border um, in order to, to pursue 
the asylum screening process in immigration court. Um, Title 42 is something that started in March of 2020. Um, it is based on a public health order from the CDC, and it does not grant any kind of asylum screening access to the migrants who are um, affected by it. It says that anyone trying to enter the United States without documents to do so, so that includes migrants, asylum seekers particularly, um, cannot that they are, they are blocked from doing so. And so if they approach a port of entry and say, you know, I'm here to request protection, um, they're gonna get turned around. And if they cross between ports of entry and are apprehended by border patrol, then border patrol can expel them. And so that means sending them back to the country they just crossed from or back to their home country without any meaningful review of their request for protection. So it's, um, I would say, more severe in terms of the concerns about non-refoulement, which we talked about, because you're sending people either back to Northern Mexico where they're in danger or back to home country that they have fled without reviewing their case. So there's been a lot of pushback on this policy, including from uh, the United Nations agency that's responsible for refugees um, because of that concern. And so people in that program are just stuck and waiting without any access to the system until that policy lifts and they're able to come back to the border and request asylum officially. So it in, instead of having people still going through a process, it's just basically set up sort of a blockade where people are just stuck and stranded. And to the second part of the question about why it's being allowed to, to continue, um, the Biden administration initially said that this program was necessary to slow the spread of COVID-19. Um, there's been a lot of pushback on that. There has been since this program began. A lot of public health experts said that there were other ways to uh, mitigate besides just stopping all asylum seekers. And especially now that like every other kind of border crossing is allowed and people are going around unmasked and vaccines are so prevalent, there's, there's a lot of question about why it's still necessary from a public health perspective. And so, um, and that even uh, came out in a court case brought by the ACLU on behalf of asylum seeking families that basically said like, you know, you can't refoul people in this way. You need to at the very least like evaluate their protection needs. Um, and uh, up through an appellate court, uh, judges have agreed with the ACLU to the extent that um, people cannot be expelled to places where they're likely to be tortured or harmed. And so um, there's supposed to be now um, a screening, a special screening process that's different from the asylum screening process to try to check for that. But at the same time, uh, the Biden administration moved to end Title 42 in April. And then similarly, there was a lawsuit brought by several states who argued that they were going to be harmed by asylum seekers coming across the border. Um, and a judge has similarly sided with those states, um, just as happened in the Remain in Mexico program. And so for now, the administration is required to continue 
Title 42. Um, but that court case is obviously ongoing and, uh, you know, it remains to be seen what might happen as it moves up through the appeals process. So, okay, what is next for Remain in Mexico? As you mentioned, the administration may end it, not must end it. So is there a timeline? Do, do we know? Uh, as of 9.30 this morning, no, we don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we're all just waiting for more information to come out. Um, I think the administration is uh, maybe still trying to figure out exactly what they're allowed to do in this moment based on this order. Um, whether any part of the uh, previous judge's order requiring them to continue it is still applicable at all. Um, yesterday in immigration court, um, immigration judges were asking government attorneys, you know, should we even be having these hearings? Like, what's going on? And the government attorneys who work for the Department of Homeland Security, which is the department that tried to end the program and the department that's been you know, pushing to be able to end the program, uh, they said, well, for now, we've been told that uh, the program is still in effect and we're going to continue with these cases um, and that, you know, we're trying to see what uh, what our next move is is able to be. So it's it sounded yesterday, you know, even the government officials involved did not know what they were able to do after this decision came out. It's a little bit confusing. Mm -hmm.